We got uh, thank you. Go ahead. Go, go for ahead, it, Mike. Eric. No, no, it's Mike. It's yeah, who wants show. to talk? It's show. Choking it's Hazard show. Podcast, sponsored by nobody. With your host, Aaron Gall and Michael Breyers. Tonight, our guest is Janine McIver, Janine Button. What, what do we call your last name, Janine Beaner? What, what do you go by these days? Honestly, you can call me whatever you want. I think people actually think my name is Janiner because Janiner? of my Instagram. Yeah, they think that's what my name is. And I'm like, man, they, but most people don't speak English, right? So they think my name's Janiner. Oh, really? That's funny. <laughs> Start calling you Boa, Janine, or Boa. <laughs> no, no. Well, thank you very much for coming on today. We do appreciate it. I know kind of like everybody's kind of all over the place, so just trying to figure out and find time. But the good thing is everybody's got a lot of time lately, so it just kind of helps out. And we can just get it remotely out and all that kind of jazz. How have things been going? Like, I've seen you've done a lot of training online. How have they been keeping over there? Well, things have been good. Like I'm actually like in the middle of like a backlog right now with people for, for plants. It was funny. Like, uh, when the quarantine started, I was like, Oh shit, what am I going to do? Uh, I think like you guys know the same thing, right? Like, Hey, you guys go to lifetime every day. You guys still work at lifetime. before. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't well, mention that gym here. Whoa, we don't mention whoa, the name, but, no. uh, oh, right now, you guys still furloughed. go to that place. For money, we're right? All, yeah, we're all flirt furloughed right now, right? So yeah, it doesn't we're, really matter. We're, you make us sound like we're prostitutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you go to that place on the corner for money, right? <laughs> but I mean, yeah, we're gonna so have to start doing that if this if if this uh, lockdown continues. But <laughs> well, I don't know, man. It's gonna be hard for you guys, I think. Yeah, we're a little bit of a different situation, especially with it being in a big box. But um, as, as Mike cut you off, like, go ahead. What were you saying again? It's like, okay. I, I'm used to Mike. I didn't cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I don't know. So, I, like, the big box are tough, right? Because, like, you have to be in person to get those hours in. And, like, that's the one thing that, like, made me – like, this one thing I liked about it, but one reason why I wanted to leave, too, is, like, it's summertime – and everybody's like, yeah, I'm going to go on vacation. And then you have no clients and you're like, well, what am I supposed to do? Just sit here for minimum wage now because there's no one there. Mm -hmm. uh, so that sucked. But uh, yeah, like as soon as this happened, uh, I was like, oh shit. And then I just got like super productive. I don't know. Like the first week I was like, I was thinking we we're going to have like these like secret underground trainings every single week and everything was going to be fine still at the gym. And then it was like, no, actually everything's closed forever. So uh and the first thing I did was I, I wrote like a little mini ebook that people could download for free. Uh, and I started my website, McIver Fitness. Um, and then I wrote my second ebook, which was basically like how to start changing habits and things like that, because uh, there's so many people that were going to be working from home and their excuse all the time is like, I never have time. I never have time. I know you have guys that would come to do sessions with you and they'd say, oh, I can't make it today. I don't have time. And like, okay, now it's bullshit because you don't even drive to the office anymore. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of to like slap people in the face and be like, guys, like everybody can be like at least 1% better than what they are. And if you're always complaining about something being wrong, well, there's an opportunity for you guys here to make that 1% change, right? With like 10 minutes. So uh, that was sort of the inspiration behind me doing that. And then at the same time, I was like, oh, well, like let's get some online content Igor so I was sort of like on his tail for a while about uh 
doing videos. Like I'd harass him like 24 seven, like, okay, can we film now? And he's like, can you just leave me alone? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so I started MacGyver online too, um, to, to put up like some jujitsu content and then some strength and conditioning videos. Uh, so that one was tough because like, I'm not really familiar with, uh, the site I was using. So it's hard and I never used Vimeo. So mm-hmm. yeah. That's what I started doing. And then like all of a sudden the people who wanted to train with me, like it was like a little like, uh, like steady, like a few people. But then like this week, all of a sudden I had like too many people and now I'm like, okay, that's the cap. No more. Sorry guys. Can't help any more people right now. You guys are going to have to wait. Um, anyway, that's sick. Like, I don't know. I guess. People- no, that's awesome. It's, it's again, like the biggest thing is taking opportunities, right? And utilizing, even if it's a bad situation and you obviously capitalize on an, on the issue and then getting people involved. Like that's the biggest thing, right? So awesome job. Like Thank I've you. seen the site. It looks awesome. Like, I, it's, like you said, a big thing is just putting content out and putting out more. It's like, also send me the links to your uh, eBooks because we'll make sure. Yes. Yeah, send about the, send them, the so. links over and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll post them up as well. Cool. I will. I have one that's free, so everybody can have it. Yeah, that's, like, that's awesome. what I mean. Like, if it's like, send us both, so like you know which uh, which ones you paid for, and then the the free one as well. So we'll yeah. push it for you. All right. Wanda, to ask you as well. What is, do you find you have more? I guess you could say um, artistic freedom, working kind of more independently, like you are, versus like working in a in a big box environment. Yes. So I'll tell you exactly why. So like one of the biggest problems with me, like, so when I left, are you game? Uh, I left there like trying to try something new. Like I, I had never worked in a big box gym before. And that was the hesitant hesitance, uh, in lifetime hiring me is they're like, man, what does this girl want? She runs her own business. And I just wanted something different. Right. Like, I don't know. I was going through one of those phases. Like I had just started jujitsu. Like, uh, I want to say like six, no, it would have been a year a year and a half maybe prior when I got hired. Uh, I think I was like a brand new blue belt when I started working at Lifetime. And uh, I, I was like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to hustle here. And am I allowed to say Lifetime now or no? Yeah, we're, yeah, just, we're just joking. Okay. <laughs> we're just fucking okay. around. We'll, we'll just we'll blank it out. We'll just say when I was working at <laughs> But yeah, so like when I was at RU Game, like my monthly revenue was like, was really good and it was high. And then like, uh, I, I really liked all the people I trained with. Like I was training athletes all the time. It wasn't like I was training like, um, like 60 year old obese people. I was training like people who are my age, people who are younger, people who are a little bit older, people getting ready for fitness competitions. Like I had a whole roster of like figure bikini competitors. And then, uh, I, I kind of, I stopped competing, even though I liked coaching. Uh, when I started at lifetime, I kind of like, threw my business kind of away, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I think I wanted to get out of like being at home and being working uh, and like shut my brain off. Cause I think that was one of the biggest things too. I had started fascial stretch therapy. I was doing 10 clients a, a week at my house and it just, I think it was just like too much and not enough time to chill, which is my own fault. But, uh, and then when I went to lifetime, uh, I went into the gym, I did my job and then I went home and that's what I wanted from it. But then it ended up not being like that at all. Uh, and then when I left again, it gave me the opportunity to kind of, uh, like float my own boat again. 
And I, again, like I wasn't really working on a lot of nutrition stuff. And when the, when the pandemic kind of hit, I was like, uh, in the midst of like reading again about certain things. And, uh, so when it came, like it hit me and I was like, Oh, I'm prepared for this. I'm ready to give people some information. And then I was like, I'm not just going to be a bump on a log. And, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. That's it, I guess. <laughs> there you are. Yeah. That worked out. No, that's amazing. So, like, what was kind of, like, the switch of, like, what made you go from, like, how would you even start, like, getting into training jiu-jitsu? Because you were kind of training before, and then you kind of made a complete switch over. Um, so, it's funny because, like, since I was, like, 16 or – I think 17, actually, 17, I had been doing, like, conditioning classes at Brookman's. Like, the guy who ran the conditioning classes, Gord McPhail – He's, he's a black belt now, but at the time he was a purple belt. And uh, yeah, like I knew Govna from there. I knew Monkey since I was 17 and like him and uh, him and Amber used to come and Monkey and I used to like compete against each other in the classes. Amber used to be my partner on the nights where Monkey wasn't there and Monkey's daughter was there. So like I knew everybody um, from that kind of location. Like I knew like I was training in the same classes sometimes as Antonio Carvalho because Gord was getting him ready for the UFC or whatever. Um, so it was kind of exciting, like being around like people who had like these big goals, right? But mm -hmm. I had no idea what jujitsu was. I was just there. And like, I would just get there and the mats would be, it was the puzzle mats of the old location. So they'd be like really sweaty and like. You're like, thanks. <laughs> just absorbing like all the sweat and the whatever yeah. people have out of the. <laughs> Yeah, it was so weird. I was like, okay, well, I don't know what they're doing here, but they're getting really sweaty and that's fine. Uh, and then I was always, since I was 17, I was competing in fitness. Uh, I kind of flipped the switch because I was being a jackass. Um, just a typical teenager, like dealing with my angst and like uh, whatever problems I thought I had in life, but they're not that really that big of a deal. Um, <laughs> And then I was, so I was training for fitness. And then when I was 18, uh, I started riding BMX. I started doing like some freestyle BMX stuff. I competed a couple times and I uh, won the Toronto International Bike Show one year. And then I uh, competed at the Jomo Pro in Joplin, Missouri. So yeah, like I was really into doing weird, crazy shit back then too. Uh, <laughs> and then it was fun, but I had this like really bad concussion. Um, I hit my head like really bad and then I just couldn't get my thoughts together. I just remember like one day I was talking to myself, I was going to drop into a bowl and I'm talking to myself and I'm like, man, like I'm going to like smash my head if I don't turn my wheel. And I couldn't like tell myself out loud to turn my wheel on my bike. And then I just, I crashed again. And so I was like, shit, like I need to think about like longevity and you know, like I think I'm going to like take a break from this and keep doing like the bodybuilding thing. Cause then at least I don't like die accidentally uh and then so i was doing that until i was 22 or 23 and then i just got out of like a really long relationship and i was trying to find myself and i didn't know what the hell to do with myself so i started doing um like some muay thai privates in exchange for nutrition so uh the first coach that i started training with um he was getting ready for a super fight and so i started doing his nutrition like i said and then uh, I did the privates with him, but I was like, man, like Muay Thai is boring. I'm sorry, but like, this sucks. Can I do something else? Like, can you teach me how to be an armbar? 
so just kill, he just like, killed uh, one of our prior guests, uh, Brett Edwards. Sorry, it was my opinion. Uh, and like, I don't know, like, it was like, for me, like, it just felt like it was something that was really like one dimensional. And I was, I needed something like bigger than that. Uh, and then I was like, can you teach me how to do an arm bar? And he's like, no, you have to come to a class. So I bought a gi, I went to the class and then like, I fell in love right away. Um, in the ninth grade, I did like one semester. Well, I signed up for the wrestling team late. So I did like one semester of wrestling and it was probably the best thing I'd ever done in my life. I was like, oh, this is amazing. But I was uh, playing competitive soccer so I kind of had to pick um and then I was like moved to another school there was no wrestling team couldn't do it blah 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 uh so yeah so as soon as I went to jiu-jitsu I was like oh my god this brings back my my uh, high school memories are so nostalgic and uh I started going like every day after that and yeah it was just because I was just bored and I needed to try something new all right nice so and how Sorry, long have you been uh, training now uh, in June, uh, like the mid, uh, the beginning or middle of June, it's been five years now. Nice. Nice. What are, um, some, so you mentioned you like, you got into jujitsu, you've been competing in a lot of different things like BMX, riding, did Muay Thai for a day and hated it. Uh, <laughs> soccer, uh, you name it. What are, um, what are some of the things like, is, is that how you kind of transitioned into like personal training, nutrition work, or, or is that something that you just had, you had an interest in or you just decided to combine the two. Okay. So actually I'll tell you the story about how I got hired as a trainer. So like, I always used to like, I've always worn like, I don't know, like baggy gigantic clothes and like covered myself up when I train. Like I always used to be one of those like petty girls who was like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're wearing a sports bra. And it just, <laughs> anyways, I'm not petty <laughs> anymore guys. I'm 20, 20 and I'm changed. And, uh, <laughs> And it, anyway, so uh, I used to go to this gym uh, at the Y because it was close to my house when I moved to Oshawa. So my mom got us a membership. It was cheap and we all went. So when I was getting ready for my first fitness competition, uh, Platinum Fitness shut down. And it was like the big gym at the, at the time uh, oh. at this place at Midtown Mall. And uh, then so, yes, yeah, so we were at the Y um, and I started training there all the time. And I was just finishing high school. And the guy who was the manager at the time, he's like, man, you train really, really hard. And he goes, and you're really good. Like you have good form and you're strong. I said, thanks. He says, and like the workouts you do, like they make sense. And I'm like, okay, thanks. That's good, I guess. <laughs> so he says, if you get certified, I'll hire you. So I signed up to do my CanFit Pro course because that was the one he told me to do. So I signed up to mm -hmm. do it like the next day. And then I did it. Um, and then I got hired. <laughs> And then I started training people and then I went to college. I went to school for my business diploma and then I was training people all the way through and that was my first job. Yeah. As a trainer. But. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. It's funny how you hear that same story over and over. It's like people who never expected to be trainers, all of a sudden they become trainers because hey, you, you work out, you, Oh, get certified and then it kind of slowly grows from there and then all these different avenues and pathways open up right for sure and like the the biggest opportunity really came from Gord McPhail uh who who runs our game and like it, it was really cool because I was at the Y and like I'd go like I said like I'd go to their conditioning classes because it was on Tuesday nights at nine Thursday nights when it was nice out we would do like outdoor conditioning with like chains and tires it was you know it was cool uh, and then Saturday mornings. 
So I always went there and one day they were going to move, I think to their first location that was like on its own, but still close to Brockman. So it was like around the corner. And I just remember like I was working for my dad's company and like, no offense, dad, but it sucks to work for you. If you listen, to <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I need to, I need to break free. <laughs> but yeah. Like, and I was just like, it sucked. Like I was working nine to five. Like, yeah, there was flexibility where I could like have a go train on my lunch or whatever, but like, man, it sucked. It, it was like data analysis and I was doing like returns on investment for people. And I was like, man, this is so dumb. Like, this is so boring. Like I'm just sitting here all day and I'm too hyper. So, um, Gord's like, look, if you just quit your job, then I'll help you and we'll figure it out. And I was like, uh, I don't know about that. Like, are you sure? And then like, I just remember getting like so stressed out all the time. And then I got really sick and I got so sick that I was like, man, I'm sick because I'm stressed out from this job. So I quit. Um, and then that was it. I started my training business and I was like, okay, like, fuck it. Let's just see what happens. And then, uh, I ended up working out for the best. And like, if I didn't have Gord, like kind of just like, just do it. Like I was working at Whippy Psych and it sucked too. And I used to hate it. And now I'm here and now I have a good like training thing going on. And he's training, like I said, like, like Antonio Carvalho and he's training uh, Mitch uh, who trains with uh, Monkey and Sudbury. And he had his contract for the UFC. And I'm like, man, this is sick getting to train guys like that. Uh, so yeah, so I quit and then I started and here I am. That's awesome. It's good to see uh, two out of three people on this podcast actually lift. <laughs> you can guess who the third one is but um it's me of course but i wanted to ask you you have a lot of competition experience um can you do you find that you you draw a lot of things from like let's say you competed in bmx you competed at you competed as a in a figure figure competition as well correct you yeah i did like in jiu-jitsu what are some things that are kind of for competition, like mindset, like what are some things that you take from each thing and that you can apply to jiu-jitsu or to life in general? I don't get deep here. Uh, how do I apply all these things to life? I don't know. Honestly, I think like I've become a little bit better of a person since jiu-jitsu. Also, Igor's like opened my eyes to a lot of shit that I do, like mostly because like there's like a big cultural difference right so he's like man like you guys need to slow down like you guys just like oh. uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's so a brazilian I mean, lifestyle hey man let's just relax and <laughs> yeah but you know what like it's like I've, i think i've changed a lot in the past few years i don't know if it's like between like us like learning about different cultures or like jujitsu or what but i think i've changed a lot in the past few years but i don't know for like <laughs> In terms of competing, like, I remember being in a spelling bee when I was in the first grade and I was competing with these two twins that were like super smart. And I remember I was like, nah, I'm going to get this word right. And like, you guys are, you guys are going to fuck up one of these words. I know you are. <laughs> so I don't know. I think I've always just been competitive. Oh, did we lose you? I don't know. I'm frozen. Yeah, you're frozen. Ah, okay. You're trapped. Oh, no, okay. no, she's back. <laughs> no, she's back. You're trapped. But you find that probably helps. Like you, you found at a very young age, you just hate losing. And when it comes to jiu-jitsu, you're just like, I'm going to get this grip. I'm going to pass. I'm going to win. I'm going to knee on belly your face. Well, when I was like, when I was younger, my neighbor was a, was a boy. Right. Uh, I did like, honestly, like I had a, 
I had a hard time making girlfriends, I think, because I liked all the stuff the guys did. Um, and so we used to play hockey all the time. We played Mortal Kombat. And then we played this one game with his older sister. She was like 10 years older than us, I think. And uh, we would play, don't let her grab you so she doesn't throw you into the pine bush. So like she used to take <laughs> us and throw us into the pine. <laughs> if she got a hold of us. <laughs> the things so, you can get away with in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, but man, like, like we did like, we, we used to like have a, we had the ditch because I lived in Newcastle, right? So it's a small town. So you'd have like, your front yard and then there'd be like the little ditch with like the the sewer hole thing uh and so we would make jumps in the ditches so ever since i was a kid we would be like jumping things we'd just be doing like crazy stuff so i don't know if it was like that i didn't want to lose so much as it was that i just had like this like weird fearless thing like one day i was on a on my friend's deck too like i, I just have all these stories about just remembering being like ridiculous and I'm like, you know what? Today's a good day to learn a handspring. So I jumped like two feet into the, like onto the floor and I broke my elbow. Oh, I was like, well, I guess that doesn't work. <laughs> is that like, is that like one of the worst injuries you've had or you had some pretty bad Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's the only real like major one. Like, okay. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's the only like major bone. Like I broke my foot riding bikes, but I didn't do anything cool. I just like, I was doing a manual and I fell backwards. Hey, no training injuries. That's good right now. Well, I've had some, but like, they're definitely not like that bad. I've seen some catastrophic stuff. Like I, I've seen David Mosley basically explode his knee like 700 times all in 50-50. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Like yeah. It just so happy or like maybe not his knee, but like, I just see him like having these like battles with, uh, his body just giving up on him. <laughs> his, his body's battles is just like there's a lot of up. that happens a lot. <laughs> it's just that the mind wants to do what the body just doesn't allow it to do, and then just something gives. And that's it. Yeah, it sucks. It's it's called age. That's generally what happens. <laughs> yeah. I've had I've had my knee explode at Lifetime as well. It's oh wait, I'm not supposed to say that. I had my knee explode at the gym that me and Aaron are working at. <laughs> And I had to get carried out. That was fun. Well, yours was actually pretty bad because the way – because Charlotte – what happened, we'll put context to the story, because yeah. they were training – Charlotte was training for, like, first competition, I think it was. And they were training uh, takedowns, and Charlotte was going for single legs. And Mike's just being Mike's like, oh, you're not going to be able to take me down or anything like that. But Charlotte <laughs> shot really uh, shallow. That's being a dick, basically. And all he, and he, did, he, he didn't have like the full femur. He had basically just kind of wrapped around the, the tibia and the, the knee. And that was it. And so Charlotte's trying to use his whole body to like literally move his entire bot hit like Mike and basically dislocates knee uh mike's knee and then puts it back into place after years of pop <laughs> it's like oh my god <laughs> i just went white i was like oh put it back <laughs> i mean like luckily nothing snapped like but, but to, it was yeah just, like in that, and out to, yeah to put that in the context uh my training partner at the time charlon he uh he's a national level power lifter and i think his deadlift at the time was like 650 and he's about 185 pounds maybe if that and he just, he got out, I was just being a, a smart ass and hopping around and tripping him and 
you know, just trying to use jujitsu against somebody who's like just twice as powerful as me. And then he just got frustrated, <laughs> grabbed my knee and basically ripped it half. Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, put it back. At will. He's probably like, you know what? I don't want Mike to have his knee on anymore. We're gonna take him off now. And he's gonna sit down. I'm gonna that's get probably what he, that's, that's probably what he was thinking at the time. But he, he was just he's so strong. Like people are just, he was just so powerful and explosive that just those people are just so strong, they don't know how strong that they are. Just one motion and then yeah, there goes my leg. <laughs> that's it. We have this one chiropractor that trains at Gringo's, and he's a, he's a white belt, but he he does privates with Kevin and Breno, and man, like, so I was rolling, I went to go roll with them at the grading, and like, I had just, like, I literally got off my flight from Nogi Worlds, got a, I didn't even get a gi at home, I just went straight to the gym, and uh, so I went to the grading, and then sure enough like he's like the last roll he goes yeah do you want to roll and the first thing he does is like stack me and I was like oh my god this is brutal and then I I think I rolled with him again like I don't know maybe a week or so later thinking like oh I was just tired from the grading man no this guy like ruined my life he was so strong (laughs) and yeah like he I think he's like he focuses a lot on like core um strength and like he de- I think he does like powerlifting or whatever too. He was a football player back in the day, but man, he's so oh, that explains it. <laughs> yeah. <Jeez. laughs> so, so like when you look at like obviously like female jujitsu is like starting to grow. I would I w- would you take make that assessment as well? Like I think it's getting bigger every year. Um. Yeah. So like, let me. Let me tell you how I feel about it. I feel like every year it gets bigger and it's always big and like white and blue belt. And then all of a sudden, like everybody just decides like, oh, we're all washed up at purple, brown and black. So it's always empty. So you have this like major growth in the sport. And then you have like, ah, well now I'm a blue belt. Now I'm going to be, I'm a female, but now I'm also going to be one of the statistics. Like everyone else is a blue belt and then they quit or whatever. I don't know. Or they have life happen, but you know, like now I think even, I think you can still say like in the female, like black belt divisions and brown belt divisions, like in all over the world for like majors, you're still seeing more people. Like I had, I had a full like four fights at Euros, uh, brown belt. And like, that's, there's what, like wow. 16 girls or something in my division. Like, that's, it's a, that's it's pretty a good division. What's what, what division was it? Was it lightweight? Yeah. Okay. Well, and that's because you would even look like even five years ago, if you go to like a major tournament for female divisions, a lot of them are still combined. Like even if you go to an IBJJF, the brown, brown and black yeah. belt divisions combined. If you go back even further than that, you can even see like purple, brown and black. Was yeah, it was so purple, brown, black. There's a lot more females in there as well. But even what you mentioned, um, you said a lot of people drop off after purple belt. I've even noticed that even – I think even in the men's division, I think people maybe just, they don't, they don't compete as much, or maybe there's a bit of an ego thing and they, you know, they're, they're a purple belt and they don't want to get beat up by another purple belt. I like, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I think that it, it happens. I think even in the men's division, I don't know what Aaron thinks, but I've seen that as well. Like, I think there's more of a drop off between, uh, especially blue to purple. I find. Yeah. I would say. Well, yeah. Because like, purple, for example, for sure. going... sorry, go ahead. Go for, it. go for it. I was just going to say like, you you i went to worlds uh for in the female division so like at worlds uh i competed oh it says my inner connection neck connection's unstable i'm probably frozen 
Oh no, no, you're live. Okay, you're live and well. Um, so yeah, like it's I had like 52 people in my division at Blue Belt my second year because my first year at Blue Belt that I went to Worlds, I was a medium heavy. I was a chunky monkey, and uh, <laughs> you were just lifting. That's all. Just lifting. Yeah, like pretty much. That's when I worked at the place. Um, the place yeah oh yeah the place yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh <laughs> so my my second year I, I was at lightweight so there's like yeah 52 people in my division and then when I went in 2018 as was it wait 20 no 2019 as a purple belt there were 24 in my division so like basically half you know Purple belt, did you do medium heavy or did you do lightweight? You said lightweight, no, I did, right? I did middle. So, like, I did oh, okay. middle. I've, I'm between middle and light usually. Medium heavy was just like a one year thing because I was jacked, I guess. Uh, or you and me, I'm so swole. <laughs> Busting out of my gi when I flex. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like when I started, like, I had to actually cut to middleweight in my, when I was a white belt. But I think I had a lot more muscle back then because I was lifting a lot more anyway. But I stopped lifting for a whole year uh, to make lightweight. Uh, I thought I needed to lose some muscle, which I definitely did. But um, I, yeah, I couldn't make lightweight unless I stopped lifting for a little bit. Do you, it's an interesting question. Do you think you can be too muscular for jujitsu, if that makes any sense? I don't think it's necessarily that you can be too muscular. Like, cause let's say you're like super lean. Everybody would be like, Oh wow, you're jacked. You're so muscular. Like, no, you're just really lean. I think you can be training like too, um, I don't know, like just regular bodybuilding, like super strong where you're immobile, yeah. you know, mm. I, I, does that make sense? Yeah. Like yeah. you're doing more like, I'm going to, I'm going to hit the pec deck and then I'm going to do some reverse flies then I'm going to do some cable cross. So, you know, like, like a typical, like bodybuilding, I'm going to get ready for it. Yeah. More like the show, the show repetition based. Yeah. And like, I don't know, like for me, like, that's one thing is like, I, even like my first few years, I was always training. I don't know. I, I don't want to say like similar to a bodybuilder because I usually would follow like, um, I, I worked with a coach named, um, Matt Jansen and I worked with another coach named Lane Norton. So both of them were actually really good. And, uh, Jansen was really like performance based. Uh, so a lot of his workouts had like different tempo controls and like, uh, I remember one program he had me doing like, um, some explosive stuff. Um, anyways, so on and so forth. So I think because the workouts I was always doing were always to like still be athletic. And then the workouts I was doing with Gore that are you game were the same sort of thing. They're all like conditioning or like for a lot of the guys who were getting ready for MMA fights, I think it complemented jujitsu. So I never went through that phase except for when I worked at that place because then I was just lifting. So I think I was like slower, but I think like I, I was doing more like pressure passing, like laying on people like I was 7,000 pounds instead of like going as fast as I can with the Toriando. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What do you think is like the optimal style i guess you could say of like strength and conditioning would you say for jiu-jitsu because you have a lot of experience like you know body lift bodybuilding power lifting like what are you doing a lot of conditioning as well what do you think like what do you think is like the optimal mix for like a strength and conditioning routine for jiu-jitsu okay so like there's this guy i don't actually even remember his name i just followed him like yesterday he was doing some conditioning with um one guy who fought this weekend uh what's his name 
I don't know his, I don't know anybody's name from the UFC to be honest. But uh, anyways, he does like, I want to say like he does some like powerlifting and like strongman components, but then with like explosive stuff that's just body weight. So I like the combination of like the strongman movement. Um, so maybe you'd be doing like farmer's walks or like with a yoke or something like that. Uh, and then you have like deadlifts in the program and then you'd also be doing like, um, like explosive, like squat jumps or something like that, or like, um, high jumps as high as you can, just like anything that really adds like explosive power with weight or without weight and then changing your breathing patterns. So you have to adapt to like different stimulus because let's say you're pushing a sled and then all of a sudden there's no weight and now you have to sprint as fast as you can. Uh, and then after that, you have to like, I don't know, do push-ups. You, you know what I mean? And then you have to do like um, the suplex toss thing with the medicine ball, whatever, you know? Uh, or you pick up the stone because people do that and they put it on their shoulder or whatever. Uh, I think like varying in there for a conditioning like workout is a really good way to really keep you in shape for one, but I, I don't know. I think that like, there's still merit in doing like some of these powerlifting movements because you want to build more strength, but, uh, like pull-ups are really important. Like you have to do things that are going to help build relative strength, but you have to do things that are also going to help you just get stronger period. Um, mm-hmm. as well as the little movements are important because you need to use like the little tiny muscles in your body to stabilize everything else. Right. So I think you have to find a plan that kind of fits full circle. So for example, off season, I'll do like three days a week of like the big three and some other stuff in between. And then in like the weeks coming or a month before the tournament, uh, I'll probably be gearing down into more of a conditioning focus. So I'm moving a little bit faster. You know what I mean? So I'm not going as heavy. So I don't know. That's worked for me. And, uh, I don't know. Everybody's different, right? Some people like to do like static stretching. I don't like to do static stretching. So just, just an example. Would you um, like, if you're training male and female, would you keep the programs kind of relatively similar or are you kind of like, would you kind of change them based on individuals? Yeah, I think they have to be like completely different between male and female. Like that's one thing that has to you have to understand that like females respond differently to like certain amounts of stress. So with women, especially like they need to make sure that they're resting enough and they need to make sure like, especially with diet that their diet has like either like a, like a high carb day or surplus of carbs or like they have like cheat meals because it's more like a stress response. that's going to stop them from either getting to the weight they need to be or like uh, they're going to slow down their performance. So as soon as you feel like performance is declining, either your carbs and or your overall intake is too low um and your perform like your output is too high so on and so forth but uh yeah so anyways girls are definitely different than guys yeah okay so when you kind of look at like for you for trying to peak out for um competition based right when you look at do you put more emphasis on your strength and conditioning is it more drilling and drilling or is it like focusing on nutrition as well or kind of combining everything all together? I would say it's like a combination, but um, the kind of method that's worked for me um, and I think like mentally I'm more focused too is when I'm cutting, well, not when I'm responsibly cutting to lightweight because there's times where I make lightweight and there's times where I like am a lightweight. 
Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. different. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so when I'm when I'm cutting, like to be a lightweight, not to just like be a dick. Um, usually, I'll be spending like like I said, like I'll do like two or three times a week. I'll do conditioning. Uh, usually, I train with my coach Farsha on like every Friday. I would meet with him and getting closer. We would do a lot more explosive stuff, um, more body weight, more agility. Um, and then like, all like the heavy, heavy stuff, like I still do some deadlifts and squats, but it would definitely change like in terms of like rep ranges. And like, if I'd be doing like, um, some stuff to get my heart rate up a little bit more, um, my nutrition was always like bang on getting ready. And I always tried to assess like at eight weeks from when I was going to compete at a major, like, what do I need to do? Do I need to lose 10 pounds? Do I need to lose like three pounds? Am I okay here? because then that would determine like how aggressive or how strict I needed to be. Um, and then drilling, I would say like getting closer to a tournament, I'm always trying to add like a bit more drilling than just like pojada pojada all the time, mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of stay sharper because some days where you're at the training, like we'll be rolling and you're getting closer to, if you feel like, okay, my body's done at like six rounds, sometimes you just have to listen to it instead of like, okay, I'm gonna push it to eight or 10 and then you get hurt on the ninth round, right? So to supplement for some of that, like, let's say, like, I'm playing it safe, do the drills to just stay sharp at least, right? Yeah. So you mentioned, um, what's a good, what's a split that you find that works for you? So like, let's say like a typical training week that's not COVID right now, like, let's say pre-COVID, and there's like a tournament coming up, you're eight weeks out, like, let's say in a week, like how many times are you drilling per day? How many times are you rolling, strength and conditioning? Like what, like map out, like what would a typical week look like for you? Okay. So, um, usually we would have comp training like Monday through Thursday. Um, and that would be like, there are really intense, like planned out days. And then Friday would be like, um, the guys wouldn't train, but because it was my sort of more relaxed day I would come in and drill usually for maybe an hour um usually I drill with uh Simon Hepworth he's cool he knows a lot of stuff like he thinks that uh he he would say that he doesn't but he does uh he helped me a lot uh so I would drill with him for like that one hour then I'd have to work through the day at the gym and then Uh, my women's class would start at seven. Sometimes I'd have to teach either Osmond's class at six or I teach the kids class at five 30. Uh, and it was the comp kids. So we'd be still doing like a lot of, um, like a lot of like sequence drilling. Um, and then I would sort of show quite a few times because, because the kids needed to kind of get it. And I found that the girls, sort of likes learning the same way the kids do like does that make sense like they like to do all the drills they like like maybe the kids don't like to do the drills but like the same amount of drills rather than just like here's your technique and here we're going to roll the girls like Mm -hmm. to do like okay we're going to do 30 toriando passes and then we're going to do 30x passes and and so on and so forth and um so then i would train with the girls at night usually it wasn't like too crazy because a lot of like sometimes we'd have beginners um but depending on like who came that night we might have like a really tough training um but yeah so then I train again in the evening um but on Monday through Thursday we do 10 a.m to 12 p.m comp training like I said and then I would go to teach my conditioning class in Pickering 
at 5.30 each day. So um, usually either I would do the conditioning class or I would do like some deadlifts or something right after. So that would be like, I would say three times a week there. And then in the, in the evening after that, Mondays and Wednesdays, I think it would, I was only going on Mondays. There was a wrestling practice at Toronto Top Team. So as soon as I finished, I'd drive to the wrestling practice. Igor and I would do the wrestling practice there. And then, yeah, so we would, any night that like, let's say it was Wednesday because Tuesday was like a hard lifting day and the morning was a shark tank day. Wednesday, I'd drill again at night. Thursday was a little bit easier because it was more like specific training. So then drill again at night. And then Saturday was like, it depended on how, if your body needed it, right? Like, so if you needed to rest, I would rest all day. If you didn't need, if you're feeling like I want to go roll, maybe you'll go roll on Saturday um, at the 12 class for like an hour and a half. Um, and then if I rested Saturday, then I would go to Marco's usually for his open mat on Sunday. And depending on the day again, like Igor and I might go to uh, LA fitness to lift or something like that uh, in the evening. We used to, and then we saw it a lot too. We got memberships. Like actually we were scamming the system and we had like four day passes. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, it's like a personal trainer. I think you, you, you've been to like as many gyms as humanly possible, snuck into, snuck into here, snuck into there. Yeah. Like at, at some point you're like, man, just whatever. And then eventually we just were like, okay, let's just sign up. It's, it's fine. Uh, so they didn't give us like any run around or anything. We're just like, yeah, like we just want to train. That's it here. Sign the paper and we're done. Um, but yeah, so then we were, I think Igor, there's days where he'd go to the sauna like three times. (laughs) (laughs) Try to sweat. Okay. Leave him alone. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know for me, like the sauna isn't like the most, like sometimes it was cool, but like I always associated it with cutting weight. So I didn't have like that, like positive outlook at going to the sauna, but Uh, you're psychologically like broken down (laughs) from the sauna. Well, being, I, being locked in there and at Euros in 2019, I like I said, like I made weight. I made weight like on the dot uh, for Euros for lightweight, and like I sat in the sauna for three hours. And after the first hour, I got out. I weighed myself, and I had gained weight. And I was like, no, there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> this is bullshit. Yeah, like it was brutal. So I like I have a hard time associating the sauna with good things, but I started to get better. So. Uh, getting like like going into euros this year like I was just doing it to just relax but also my weight was good so it wasn't really I, I kind of like dropped that like uh, stigma I had with it just relax like, wait, how, how, how many days before did you go for euros um this time I ended up fighting on Saturday I think so we got there on Monday, we left Sunday, and we got there Monday morning. So we were there like oh, all really? week. And then when we went the last time, the year before, when we were, this time I was fine, obviously. The time before, um, when I was a purple belt, I, I got there on, same thing, Monday. And then I was supposed to fight, I think, on Thursday. But what I did was I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to rest for three days, and my weight's going to be fine. And then like, Wednesday, I was like, <laughs> I've gained like I think I gained like two and a half or three kilos. And I was like, Oh jeez! It might've been like the plane ride over. You just like, yeah, probably water, water retention and all that kind of stuff. Well, I think the worst part too, was that like, 
um, I don't know, like they, because kilos with girls, like the the lightweight category, you lose basically like half of a pound off of your actual weight. So usually you get like 141.5 and I think it's 141.1 uh, when you switch it to kilos. So mm-hmm. I was like, that's a, for somebody who's like, um, who's cutting weight, like a 0.4 of a pound, it's still a decent amount. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I was, it sucked. It was awful. I was so miserable. It wasn't myself. So, but it was my fault because I was like enjoying Christmas. I was having a great time and I was like, Oh, I'll be fine. I don't need to cut weight. And then, uh, yeah. And then I needed to sit in the sauna for three hours and die. <laughs> Another thing um, I wanted to ask you, just touching that back on like women, women's jujitsu and the growth of it. Uh, what are some things you would like to see to, get more females involved in jujitsu? Like in your experience, like you didn't like Muay Thai. Well, like what was the thing that, like, I guess what was like that spark for you to start jujitsu and like, what could, what could be done to get more females involved in jujitsu as well? Um, well, okay. So I guess the spark, like I said, like I was saying like Muay Thai, I felt like it was one dimensional. So how I would describe it as like, I think women, um, like, think differently so I think that if you if you go to jujitsu and you have a bit more of an open mind that like yes someone's gonna sweat on you so like suck it up and get over it um it's fun like there's so many like directions and dimensions you can go into with jujitsu like for example like one concept leads you into like thousands and thousands and thousands of techniques so then one one aha moment is gonna lead to like a whole like game being developed around it do you know what I mean like I think that if people like associate that kind of thing more then they're going to be more geared towards it. But then again, I think like, okay, well, I'm thinking like this, well, maybe I'm just a nerd. And that's why like rocket science, rock scientists like jujitsu better than Muay Thai because it's the same thing for them. You know what I mean? They see like all this algebra and fractions and quantum physics when they look at jujitsu, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, like, I guess it depends on the way you think about it. Um, so if girls look at it more of something where it's like really going to help open your mind, then okay. You know, if they think, Oh, you know, maybe this will help me defend myself later. Okay. Then that's something you can think of too. But for myself, like that was never what I was thinking going into it. I was just like bored. Right. And I wanted something to like go, boom. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I think like with girls too, I, I see a lot of people associating girls being more technical than guys. Like, they say like oh when you watch girls fight like they're a lot more technical I don't think that's necessarily always true but um I do think that they put if if I asked five girls to drill that I'll say yes if I ask five guys to drill that I'll say no let's roll do you know what I mean yeah so, I'm probably one of those guys let's just roll <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like I think uh especially like to make it grow in Canada like I think there's enough people here I think the problem is is that like either some people I don't know if people are like boycotting certain tournaments or like for example like the Abu Dhabi Pro like there's five or six people registered in the 62 and I was like okay I'll throw my name on there and uh but no one committed to like the payment portion and I'm like at the time I was like broke so I'm like man I hope somebody signs up because then I'll justify spending the money but no one signed up for it so I was like okay well I guess I'm not competing. And then like the only other weight category is like your teammates. Right. So it's only the people from like, let's say there's three of us from Gringo's all signed up. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to fight them. We roll in the gym together every day. Are we going to spend a hundred dollars to do this? No. Yeah. Why why spend money on a registration and what to get a medal and you guys are all on the same team. You all get the points. So it doesn't matter. 
Yeah. So I don't know. I think like, I think there's some people who are like down to fight internationally, but are like, yeah, no, fuck that. I'm not going to fight locally. Like maybe it's like an ego thing. Like you said, like maybe it's like risking um, losing to somebody locally. I don't know. Like, I don't really know what goes through people's minds. Like there's times where I'm like nervous to fight people who are from here. Like, for example, like um, Anastasia, um, I fought her twice now. Like her and I are friends now um, because not that we weren't before, but we like, we just never talked before really. Um, But like I fought her at Toronto Open again this year and like, yeah, I hadn't fought her since 2007, no, 2016 when I was a brand new blue belt. And I was like, well, shit, like, you know, I don't know, she won Worlds the next year as a blue belt. And then after that, like, she disappeared. So I was like, well, maybe, maybe, like, this is going to be a really hard fight. So I got to take this seriously. So then I fought her at Toronto Open. Like, luckily, I won. Thanks, God. And I worked hard, I guess. But, uh, like, I got nervous for that, too. I'm like, shit, like, I don't want to, I don't want to lose either. But I'm still going to put myself on the line. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what goes through people's minds. But I think, like, if they had like big name tournament like IBJJF, like people won't hesitate to sign up for IBJJF. People won't hesitate to sign up for AJP. Well, actually, yes, they did this year, but whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I don't know, like maybe because they think like the local tournaments are more for like white and blue belts. Maybe it's their mentality. I don't know. Like Allison's always down to throw down. She's like, Janine, just let me know. I'll sign up and then we'll fight, okay? And I was like, sure, Allison, just let me know where, where to go. <laughs> <laughs> so when you kind of look at like all these different competitions that you've done over the years, like which ones have like really stuck out to you is like, whether it's been like a, a big achievement for yourself or just a really memorial battle, which ones are like, your kind of like your top two, I guess you want to call it. Oh, my top two. Oh God. Uh, well, this year at Euros was sick. Like, honestly, I wasn't expecting to go as a brown belt. I thought I was going to go as a purple belt again and redeem myself. And then when I got off the plane and went to the grading, like the last thing I expected was to be promoted. Like Igor didn't even come. Igor was like, yeah, I'm going to stay home and sleep. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then like, I'm I'm standing there and like, and then one of the guys looks at me and he's like, where's Igor? And I'm like, he didn't come. He's sleeping. And then he's like, Oh shit. Cause no one was tying the, no one was tying the belt for me around my waist. They're waiting for Igor to do it. I'm like, he's not here. Like, (laughs) How making me stand here? Uh, Somebody call him and wake him up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, like it's uh, the Euros was was cool. Like my first match, um, like I had a good plan and like I don't know. I think I had a good division where I was able to. I, I'm not the type of person who just like drops to the ground immediately to play guard because obviously like I'll do whatever, but. Uh, it, it was good because like the girls are kind of feisty so I got to get to where I wanted to be um and then my final match was against Margot and she has like she has a good like resume um and I don't think I like she's really good so I think I lost by like an intelligence factor like I made a mistake that was just a matter of like me needing to be smarter and she was smarter in that moment um and then, yeah, so I don't know, like, that was good. Like, it showed me where I stand, I guess, with some of these girls who are competing, like, even against the top black belts. Like, she fought Louisa, I think, and lost by an advantage um, at a, at uh, the Grand Slam in Los Angeles. So, like, yeah. it, the people who are fighting at that level who are, like, this close, I'm like, man, like, 
for me to be able to fight them too now and see like, okay, like I, I didn't win, but I'm, I'm there. Like we can make it happen. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think I watched the match that you're uh, talking about the one at Euros. I think, I think basically what you're saying is you just lost by like maybe a small tactical mistake or whatever it is. It's not like, Oh yeah, I, I got blown out by this person and it wasn't even close. Like it was a match that you, you could have won if you just maybe adjusted strategy or tactics or whatever in that moment. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I think at the beginning of the match, I took like, so I took her down and I got two points. I timed the pull. And then yep. like, I think where I went wrong was there was one moment where I like, I sat down and like to go for that, like double guard style, like leg drag thing. And we got kind of tied up in 50, 50. And then all of a sudden they decided to try to barambolo her and she's like known for her barambolos, but I was like, Oh, whatever. Anyway, it didn't, it didn't end up bad. Uh, and then I had one moment where I thought like, because I was like, we were rolling, I guess because of her positioning, it was like she had my back and um, not actually had my back, but uh, was near my back. So she got an advantage. And then I didn't know that as soon as I put her back in that half guard, or if I came up to grab her leg, that I wouldn't get two points. So as soon as I noticed that that wasn't a thing, I was like, fuck, like, that was the two points that I was relying on to get back on top. Um, and like, that's probably why she just sat down like it was nothing. Uh, and then at the end, I tried to tie it up to go for a toehold in like the last like 30 seconds and I was rolling. Um, and I think my toehold, like my, how I had my legs triangled was, it was too low to control her hip. So she, and she still had the worm. So she was able to try to like come up with it. So she ended up getting a second advantage um, for throwing in a hook too. I ended up recovering, which was good, but I mean, oh, okay. you know. Anyway, so I ended up losing, it was two, two and two advantages to one. But like the toe hold was like a go for broke thing, right? I was just like, man, I have to tie this up. Um, so that was that. And then that was probably the most, that was the most recent thing I've done, but one that I guess I'm proud of. And then beyond that, um, I don't like the, the things that they're running, like these turn the tournaments that we did the Team Canada thing for, like they're actually really cool. Um, and they're not bringing out like any jokers. Like somebody said it like, oh, you guys like are lucky the Brazilians don't know about this. And I'm like, man, like I'm not worried about the Brazilians. Like these Europeans are crazy. Like, I don't know if you've seen <laughs> Fion, but like Fion's from Europe and Fion's pretty good. So you can't discredit people from like Ireland. You can't discredit people from like Russia. Those Russian people are like this and they're square, right? So, <laughs> you know. And like, yeah, Fion's a beast too. Like she's won worlds yeah, at Black Belt. Like she's unreal like and, and so that's just it like I just um I, I think those tournaments like are actually really good and you're fighting people from all over like and I think that was one thing that I had a leg up on when I went to Euros as a brown belt was that some of these girls that I fought in Abu Dhabi in November they actually were brown belts or black belts in the same weight division um it, and from Europe right so it was like oh I'm actually competing against these people who are a bit higher level than me because at the time I was a purple belt. So um, it, it's a good experience for me to get to fight people who are like beyond my years and see where I kind of hang with them. So in 2018, I fought in the JJF is what they call it, I think, the Worlds there, and we, they ran it in Sweden. And I fought this girl, um, Maxine Thailand, and she mm -hmm. trains at a Gracie Umaita San Diego. Um, and she had won Worlds, I think it was 2017 as a black belt. Yes, and, I believe you're correct. I think I, I think I was at 2017. 
yeah and so like I didn't know any I didn't know her because like at the time I wasn't really paying attention to anybody except for Bia and Louisa and uh Tony comes to practice one day and he goes oh Janine you have a IBJJF black belt world champion in your division and then Gren goes like yeah well you're gonna fuck her up too. It's <laughs> 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 hilarious because I I can actually see Fernando like saying that in like a Portuguese accent. <laughs> yeah, and like and he's like, yeah, like I don't care. And then it was so funny because like uh uh what's that's the Sheik's son's name is like um Oh I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about, but I the name is not coming to me. It's like Faisal or something like that. I don't know. But Estefan was supposed to fight him and he was in Estefan's division. And like, so they started telling Estefan this and Estefan, you could tell he's starting to get worried. It's like, yeah, fuck him too. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it was so funny. So like, And you got your passports revoked and now you're living. (laughs) That's it. You're not allowed to leave. But, uh, it, it was cool, right? So uh, I got to fight this. I fought her in the final. And all the way through, I was fighting, like, uh, well, the girl before, uh, actually, yeah, the girl before was from either Thailand or Philippines. I don't know. She's a brown belt. The girl before that was a black belt from Belgium. And she fought a mall in the final this year. Um, but, yeah, like, all these girls were, like, actually decent. And, uh so when I fought Maxine in the final, I was like, okay, like this isn't a battle of like jujitsu versus jujitsu. This is a battle of like intelligence in the match. You know what I mean? Like I needed to make sure that like I outsmarted her. Cause I was like, man, she's got like years on me, years on me. So uh, I asked Allison, I'm like, Allison, what should I do? And like, I don't know if you want to cut this part or not, but she's like, yeah, that guard is shit, Janine. You're just going to pass that guard and you're going to fuck that shit up. And I was like, okay. <laughs> just fuck her up, yo. Just fuck, fuck it up. Just, just go after her. her. That's it. This is great uh, tactical okay. coaching advice. Shout well, out to funny, uh, like... Allison Trobley. <laughs> she's hearing this. <laughs> but like I don't know like I guess like the I guess when people like give me like that sense of like not having a doubt it really helps a lot so I don't know when Allison and Mike and her dad are around like it's always a good time and Jess too but Jess doesn't use the internet she just uses it to research like um like dissecting rats and stuff so Jess actually she got Jessica um she got her black belt and I don't know if anyone knows that. And she also fought some like world champs and stuff uh, at a tournament in New Orleans, but like no one would know until they saw a random podium picture of her. And so she's really good. Uh, it's just, she just dissects rats in her spare time when she's not doing <laughs> just, just low key. <laughs> yeah. Staying low, doing some biology homework. That's it. Um, but yeah, so, uh, whenever they were around, like, it's, it's always like a really fun trip. So yeah, like Sweden was like a really cool group of people. And then like having that experience was sick. Like the match, this match went, uh, like we double pulled and I came up, she swept me with that mermaid sweep and I felt like such a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, and then I swept back with like, she was like really overzealous to go for a knee bar, but I knew like, I knew she liked leg locks. So as soon as she like spun for the knee bar, I used it to come up for the deep half sweep. Um, Cause just for the record, like for some reason I like it there. It's like my favorite guard. (laughs) Just Just works, you know. (laughs) 
And, if you uh, can, um, sorry, but can you can you find that if you have that match somewhere? Can we post it? Post that? Yeah, for sure. Like I think Elliot sent it to me, so I can find it. I think I actually have it screen recorded on my phone. But oh, uh, nice. the the last part of the match. Oh yeah, so I swept back, and then like uh, as soon as I like got into the sweep and got her off my leg, I just like blitzed past her guard and went like boom, 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 boom. so I got another advantage, and then uh, and then I was. I was winning, right? Yeah, because I had the advantage for the double guard pull. So then I was winning. And then there's like five seconds left. And then I was like, oh, my God. There's like, it's funny because she's Swedish, right? So like all of Sweden's cheering for her in in Sweden in this world final. And then there's me in like the 10 Canadians that were with us. And they're like, woo and just silence. The enemy of the state at the time. <laughs> yeah, the first thing they did as soon as I walked off the mat is they drug tested me. They're like, "Yeah, come <laughs> you, <laughs> you're wrong. Get over here." <laughs> That's yeah, amazing. <laughs> so, like, so what are like? Obviously, when we get out of this whole COVID thing and things are going back like what's kind of like the the future goals that you've kind of set for yourself I mean like if there's any tournaments that we can get to in 2020 or beyond like what's going on oh man well I guess we have to kind of wait and see what happens right because uh we're kind of at this like I don't know what's going to happen in 2020 ever thing uh like I got invited to do the submissions by the shore in California but like I can't afford to just like leave, compete and then come back and then be quarantined for another two weeks. Cause it's essentially like three weeks off. Right. So I don't can you know. Can you even how, go across? I don't even know. I don't know. I, I think like you can leave, but then when you come back, there's like all these strict orders. So I don't know. Like, I don't even think it's worth leaving because like they're saying that if you get, if you get caught, then they'll put you in jail for six months or <laughs> like they'll charge you a huge fine. And like, I know that there's lots of people who are, willing to call the police on other people because they're they're like that so bunch of snitches snitches yeah. snitches get stitches <laughs> no, they can't afford the hospital beds snitches snitches and stitches <laughs> that's it but yeah like they there's like some gym owners that i know and like they have like whether it's competing people or like people who just own other like fitness businesses that are calling on each other uh like I don't know it's just so risky because like some people are just snakes man so I got invited mm -hmm. and then I was like I don't know if I can go and I don't know if they just declared like if they just extended the state of emergency or not because I don't know I'm gonna get a lot of people unfollowing me <laughs> you say the you, you could say the uh the politics here may not be the best would, would you agree Janine yeah I would say the politics here uh would not be the best <laughs> okay we'll leave that part in okay, okay. Yeah, we'll leave that I'll, I'll take the other part out we'll, yeah, we'll, like, we'll keep that know. in the outtake section <laughs> and we might release like a best of down the road <laughs> <laughs> well, when, after, after like all cancel culture is kind of gone for a little bit then i'll then i'll put it back out <laughs> yeah. i'm we're just happy to have you on because you're officially our first female guest so that we don't get canceled either why are people threatening you because you're they're like oh you're sexist <laughs> you don't have any females on you don't have any females on between the age of 20 and 21 and <laughs> yeah but you want to know what though like here's the thing like yeah 
So I just finished watching uh, South Park season. Hold on. I don't know which season. I'm going to tell you which one it is. One sec, forever. But I was watching the season and it was a season with PC Principal. And they're like, oh, everybody needs to be like inclusive of everyone. And I was just like, oh, my God. I can't like this is ridiculous. But anyways, um, I, I know like some of like the female black belts. No offense to them. I think they're like feminists. I'm not sure. But they're all arguing like over like equal rights for female pay and stuff like that. And to be honest, like Igor and I have talked about this and I'm like, man, if you want to get paid the same as Bouchesha, then win 11 world titles. Like, stop complaining. You won worlds once. Okay, cool. But did you win it 11 times? Because he did. I think, well, yeah. there's even a lot of black belt world change. Like, look at like Leticia down in like San Diego. She's won worlds like several times she has her own academy and, and gym down in south bay she's one of the biggest female teams that probably one of the most respected i think female black belts that there is and well she probably does all right yeah all right exactly yeah. she's not like a millionaire but she probably does all right and like i mean cool tama's got a gi named after her and that's sick and all but like i don't know how much she reaps from that you know what i mean like i mean i, I prefer to live in california i think myself but like you know, it's probably still, like, she has to grind. Like, I don't know how well Bia's doing. Like, Bia's won Worlds now eight times, and Bia's in Brazil right now, like, at home. Like, I'm sure she's doing fine overall. Like, it's not, like, bad. But, you know, how come Gordon Ryan's a millionaire and these guys have won Worlds so many times and whatever? But mind you, then Gordon Ryan's beat everybody, so, and done all these super fights for money. So I don't take anything away from him either. I think it's, it could also be a marketing thing as well. Like Gordon Ryan is on Instagram all the time talking mad shit to a lot of people. Um, I think maybe they're like from a, maybe from a female standpoint, there could be more of a a marketing thing. Like let's say there's more females putting out DVDs and things like that. And then that could create opportunities to make, what's that? Only fans. Maybe not that, <laughs> but man, I didn't know up. what it was. I saw somebody had a link on their Instagram, and like I was like, "What is this?" Like, because I I see them posting a picture like in a bikini, and they're like, uh, they're like link in bio. So I'm like, I'm like, huh. like I want to see what she's up to because she's a black belt, right? So I go and I click it, and then I, and then it doesn't show anything. It's like restricted, and then I'm like, huh? So I Google, I'm like, what is OnlyFans? And then it's kind of like this like general description, but basically it's like it's nudie magazines on the internet of these people. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. My, my question is for me and Aaron for this podcast in order for us to make money, because we made so much money doing this. <laughs> should we start should we start an OnlyFans account? Yes, you definitely should. But Aaron needs to get a wig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no man there could, there could be some, there could be some people into receding hairlines out there don't sell them short well i don't know you guys do whatever you want <laughs> we're, we're looking at we're looking at some ways to monetize it only fans may be on the list we'll see down the road if we get desperate but um last thing last thing i wanted to ask you before we close so we talk about like future for you um what do you what do you see yourself doing in the next few years like are you going to open a gym, a strength and conditioning facility? Like, um, have you, have you thought that far ahead? What are some, now we're segueing into, you know, monetization and what you're going to do. Uh, what do you see yourself doing in the future that relates to that? 
so first I want to say sorry because you asked me this before and then we started joking about OnlyFans, so now we're back here. Uh, <laughs> yes, so we're gonna bring, don't we're gonna apologize. Don't apologize. <laughs> don't apologize. It was actually you may have given us a very good idea to monetize the podcast. <laughs> Consultant. Or a very bad idea, however you want to think about it. One of the two. You either go skyrocket or get canceled. <laughs> That's it. Boom. Uh, so yeah, like, I think, like, I think Igor and I both have like a, a goal, um, to open our own place eventually one day. Um, uh, like I I've told him before, like, I really want to compete competitively as a black belt, um, before like I commit myself to like going grinding hard into my own business. Like aside from the fact that I'm able to handle everything I'm doing now, like who knows, maybe I will be able to, um, like I'm sure I can like you see people like cyborg competing all the time and he's running a successful business um and yeah like I think that's what I think we want to to have our own thing uh like Igor actually went to school and no one actually everybody probably just thinks he just says jujitsu and like that's it he's like a bum that's all he said I was like but like he actually uh has a master's degree he went to school for psychology so oh, nice yeah I didn't know yeah. that that's amazing yeah, so he's like, there's some depths to this guy other than just like hardcore Brazilian. Um, but yeah, like, I think he's a really good coach and he's really good with the kids. So um, I don't know, like, I think we have some plans to like, take that as like an aspect to like attach to the coaching and things. And uh, yeah, like, I don't know, I think we can offer something pretty cool. And I don't know, hopefully I can win some majors as a black belt to at least make people want to train with me. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like, I don't know. I really like strength and conditioning and I feel like I can like bring a lot of energy to those classes the same way I do with jujitsu. So I don't know. I would, I like doing both. Um, but Igor is from a small town and so am I. So we'd like to move out of Toronto eventually. So that's the plan. I'm trying to keep it more to like a small town, build it from a small town type thing or kind of stay within the city. Uh, I think we want to be like in a small town, like indefinitely. Like I think we don't like Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's Toronto, and then we're we were gonna talk about this on a previous podcast, but Brampton. Uh, I'm from boo, Brampton. I'm allowed to say that. Boo. Brampton, get your shit together so we can start training again in Peel Region. Oh man, in Durham it's fine. Like I grew up in Newcastle, that's part of Durham, and like they're like, yeah, we're opening. Woo, we're good. Our numbers have been low the whole time, and then everybody else just shit the bed. Well, Brand- what's really Brandon bad now is Windsor. Windsor. Windsor's terrible. Yeah. Well, Windsor Windsor's Essex. always terrible, no matter what it is. Like whether it's coronavirus, <laughs> whether it's just a day in life. <laughs> Shout out to Windsor Essex if anybody's <laughs> listening from there. <laughs> shout out to Seth. <laughs> shout out to Seth. He's probably oh, tipping boy. a cow there or something. <laughs> drinking, <laughs> drinking the milk. Yeah, we're gonna have to get somebody from Windsor on here soon. <laughs> oh, we might have to get Seth on here. <laughs> Let's get Seth on then. <laughs> oh God, you guys are gonna have to beep everything. Like that's it. Just like. Poo, poo. You're gonna have to put like those boxes over top of his face. You're gonna have to like blur out the the, the whiskey and the tequila or whatever it is. Uh, I, I I put on the on the YouTube thing like this is not meant for kids. This is where we swear a lot. Like I just put it up there. Zero distraction is advised. Strongly oh, yeah. like, advised. 
the day I get an email, I'll figure it out from there where to change it. Well, did you know Gordon Ryan's uh, girlfriend keeps getting kicked off Instagram because, like, she keeps posting, like, her, like, the captions? Because her captions are always like, yeah, I love a big dick in the morning. Or, like, she says, like, <laughs> she says, like the stuff that she says, I thought she was getting hacked. I thought her profile got hacked for, like, the first few months I was following her. And I'm like, man, like, doesn't this girl know that this stuff says this? And then I just realized that's what she, what she does. But then Instagram has been kicking her off for that. So she had to keep making new accounts. And so now all her stuff is like um, very like PG. This is what yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Gordon didn't clean the house today. And then the video is more vulgar than the wording at least. I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> So, I think you probably look at like there's there's probably like bots and things that look for like nudity, pornography, stuff like that, and that's probably why they keep uh, probably blocking her and kicking her off and all that stuff. Because you yeah. don't think you're supposed to be having that stuff on Instagram, but yeah, then, but yeah, only Gordon fans. Ryan gets kicked off like every once in a while, and they can send him emails, and then he he bites it, and then they put him back on. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's just too much work. Like I just want to just want to be there and everything's fine. I don't need to fight Instagram. But that's a totally different lifestyle, right? Cause he's like, you're training clients, you're doing this, you're doing that. Right. Where he's sitting literally on Instagram all day long and he's yeah. battling people all day long. Like it's, it's quite comical. If you, if you actually read some of the stuff he actually has battles with, it's amazing. <laughs> well, I think, I think Keenan, like he shut down his Instagram account cause he got sick. Yeah. They, they're on a beef and he blocked them. And now <laughs> him and Josh and are all, they're all beefing or whatever. But now like, apparently Josh has been like running like every day. So he's lost like a bunch of weight. And so like Gordon's like, somebody give this guy a fucking sandwich. He's lost 60 pounds. <laughs> it is pretty funny. Like some of the some of the stuff is just absolutely amusing. Oh my god. That's funny. No, I saw him because he's been running and he's lost so much weight. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you. Don't yeah. run. Don't run. <laughs> Don't run. <laughs> Janine, uh, me and Aaron want to thank you for uh, coming on tonight. Uh, no, thank you so much. Have a lot much. of fun. You've given us a lot of really good uh, information, just in your background in jiu-jitsu and like personal training. Um, is there any anything you want to close with tonight? Any sponsors to thank? Anybody to shout out? Uh, yeah, so uh, I've got Kings to thank for always making sure that I have a gi. Actually, Jeff Santos, above all, like, he runs Fighters Market Canada. But, like, one time, uh, they accidentally gave me, like, an A4 Hyperfly gave when we were competing in Sweden. And it was, like, right before we were flying out. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck is this? And then Jeff's like, don't worry. I got you. Jeff drove a gi to me that same day to make sure I had a gi to wear. And then they ended up, like, figuring it out. They ended up getting me a gi that fit. But, uh yeah, I remember like Andre Porfirio putting on my gi and uh, it fit him like really well. And I'm like, yeah, like this is second A4. Like what the hell is this? Uh, so yeah, Jeff's wicked. Um, so he runs that and that's like in Concord. So it's like Vaughn. So not Brampton. And uh, CBD Plus, which is like uh, also known as Legacy Edibles and uh, St. Lawrence Juice. They've got really good juice. 
Awesome. <laughs> Janie, Janie, thank you so much for joining us today. Amazing conversation. Had a blast. Uh, wish you all the best, especially with uh, COVID. But hopefully everybody's back to normal very soon and we can all get training again. Yeah, I hope so too. Oops. We definitely want to have you on again at some point. Uh, maybe, maybe in person we'll, we'll make a trip down to Action Reaction. We'll, me and Aaron will get beat up. And then we'll all do right. a podcast after. <laughs> okay. I, I'm good with that. I'm good with that too. Have a good yeah, night, okay? All right. Ciao. All right. Yeah. Bye, everybody.